With where to focus your study of the Bible, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Don't camp on and focus on all the things you don't understand, but take joy and rejoice that there are things you do understand, that there are principles that God gives you, and that over time you're going to continue to learn, you're going to continue to grow, and you're going to continue to get clearer things. As you move forward in your relationship with God, things do get clearer. This is amazing grace. It's said of the Bible that the main things are the plain things, and the plain things are the main things. The Bible has a clear message we can apply to our life, and that's just one of the many things Jesus believed about the Bible. More about that on today's Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. As we continue our study of Hebrews, we'll learn that believing what Jesus believed, well, you can't do any better than that. Here's Pastor Ed. Hebrews chapter 11 in a Bible study that I've entitled, Why You Can Trust Your Bible, Part 2. And really the emphasis today is because Jesus did. Why can you trust your Bible? Because Jesus trusted the Bible. And he lived by it. And he believed in its word. Now I know in a real way we could say that Jesus was the author of the Bible, as Jesus is God. And yet when he came to earth, he lived and took on the human body. He was fully man and fully God. And many of the people that ask questions about the Bible, it's not sufficient enough for you just to say, well, God wrote the Bible. Because then they'll ask you, well, how do you know that God wrote the Bible? And you'll say, well, because the Bible says so. And they'll go, well, why do you know that the Bible says so? Because God said so. And they'll accuse you of what? Circular reasoning. And this series of studies, this just a couple of studies, last time and today, is intended to help you break that. Because people with questions, even critics and skeptics, deserve an answer. And it's good for us to know the answer. That maybe even you and your faith in Jesus might have a little bit of skepticism or perhaps a little criticism in your heart still. And the way that that is eliminated is that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That what you believe in is not blind faith. How easy it is to say, oh, you Christians, you just believe in a bunch of fairy tales and myths, and you're, you're just blinded to the facts. Actually, it's the exact opposite. The Bible describes faith. Biblical faith is not blind at all. Biblical faith is born by having the blinders removed, and now you're able to see things spiritual and understand them from God's perspective. And so pick up with me in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, where we learn that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. So we learn that faith has both substance and evidence. And it's by your faith in God that a good testimony is developed. It's not your good works. It's not your good deeds. It's not your bad works or your failures. A good testimony is developed by a faith relationship with God. And then notice the hall of faith opens up with you and me. And it says, by faith we understand. That's you and me. 
By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things that are seen were not made of the things which are visible. And so we believe, somebody might ask, where did I come from? Where did all of this come from? How did the world start? How did life start? And your answer is very quick, very, very immediate. Well, I believe that God created the world. And of course, they'll say, well, why do you believe that? Because the Bible says so. And then once again, you get into the conversation where someone no doubt will say, well, that's all just circular reasoning. But we stop here in the middle to say, no, it's not circular reasoning because the book in which we learn these things is divine in origin. So that when someone asks you, who wrote the Bible? Your answer is God. So when someone asks you, for the rest of the people that are in the room, you ready? Say it out loud. When someone asks you, who wrote the Bible? You say God. But then they say, wait a minute. I don't believe in the Bible because man wrote it. And then you get a little nervous. You go, wait a minute. God wrote it. Ed said God wrote it, but now man wrote it. What? And we went through that, didn't we? You don't have to argue with that. There's a truth to what they say. It's true. Men were used to write down the words of God. That's true. So in a real way, you could say men wrote the Bible. Yet it's revealed to us that men wrote the Bible as they were inspired by God. That the Bible, Peter taught us that holy men of God wrote as they were moved or carried along by the Holy Spirit. So men were the agency that God used to author his Bible. And we learned that the Bible is trustworthy. You can trust the Bible. It's a miraculous book written by 40 different authors over the span of 1,600 years. 1,600. 1,600. From beginning to end, it took to write the Bible at various stages. They wrote in three different languages, the Hebrew, Aramaic, and the common Greek of the first century. They wrote in on three different continents. And yet having 40 different authors spanning 1,600 years, the Bible has no contradictions. Troubling passages, for sure, but not one contradiction. Instead, the Bible has one unifying theme. And the theme is God's love for man and his salvation through Jesus Christ. The, the whole theme of the Bible is the love pursuit of God for his creation. God's loving pursuit of you. That God is the initiator. Everything starts with God. You started with God, I started. At God, he starts things. We're not the initiators. God is the initiator. We're the responders. And even though the Bible's under attack today, it has and continues to stand the test of time. We learned that there's ample, and we use, use this word maps. We learned that there's ample manuscript evidence. That's what the M stands for. The A in maps stands for archaeological evidence. The, the P in the word map stands for predictive prophecy, and the S stood for statistical probability of all these things coming together, and that was the sum of our time last time. Lives are literally changed by the Word of God. It's living and powerful. I'm sure that's your testimony. It is certainly my testimony. And today I want to look at an even greater evidence. If we had no manuscripts, if we had no writings reserved from the church fathers, if we had no archaeology, we went looking the whole globe and couldn't find anything, if we had no predictive prophecy, which really isn't possible, and then we wouldn't have any of the statistical reliability and all, if we had no physical evidence, I want to suggest to you a greater evidence that supersedes all others, and that's simply this. We believe the scriptures to be true 
because Jesus Christ believed the scriptures to be true. He believed them, he taught them, and he submitted his life to the teachings in God's written word. Now remember, as we launch into this, when Jesus was teaching on the first century, there was no New Testament. So when he uses the phrase scriptures, what he's referring to in his teachings is what we know today as the Old Testament. What you might hear referred to as the law and the prophets or the wisdom literature. That, that begins in Genesis through the end of Malachi, which would encompass the entirety of what we know as the Old Testament today. He is teaching from the Old Testament the gospel message and his own life fulfilling it. However, since the apostolic writings, and that would be the writings from those that followed him closely, are equal with the Old Testament, Jesus is indirectly affirming the entirety of the scriptures, and we'll see that before we end today. Jesus has proven not only to be a credible witness, but a trustworthy messenger from God, literally God in human flesh. And the piece of proof or evidence that Jesus gives to us that what he taught, what he believed is true, is the resurrection. The resurrection seals the deal. His resurrection seals the deal of everything that he did. It validates that he came from God and he told us the truth. And I don't want you to miss, in the life of Jesus, he could have just come with the authority of his presence. But what he did was, he not only came in the authority of his presence, but he used the Bible to validate what he was teaching. He taught the Bible and at the same time used the Bible to validate what he was teaching. It's the same pattern that you have when you're talking to others. You use the Bible, but also the Bible validates and here's the evidence that we have in Jesus. First of all, in his teachings, Jesus referred to the divine authority of the Old Testament. He quoted it some 78 times, direct quotes. He quoted from the first five books, the Pentateuch, 26 times. When you read the teachings of Jesus, and that's, by the way, friends, that's just what we have recorded. Remember at the end of the Gospel of John, it said that Jesus taught and did many other things, but they're not recorded because there's not enough books that could possibly contain the life and times of Jesus Christ. So that's just what God had reserved for us to be recorded in the scriptures. But in what he recorded and what's recorded of his teachings, Jesus quoted from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, the Psalms, the Proverbs, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Amos, Jonah, Micah, and Malachi. And you say, slow down, Ed, I couldn't even write Genesis. Well, put your pen down then because we're gone for a ride. We're going to go much faster than that. Jesus' teachings was saturated with the Old Testament. You know, on many occasions, Jesus called the Old Testament, quote, scriptures. He also referred to the Old Testament as, quote, the word of God and also, quote, the wisdom of God. When he looks back on God's written word, he speaks to us of the validity and truthfulness that are there. So our study today is in two categories. This first category is an overarching view of what Jesus believed about the scriptures. And so if you want to jot them down, I'll give them to you. We're going to start number one. Jesus affirmed the Bible's divine authority and origin. He affirmed the Bible's divine authority and origin. Over and over, Jesus declared, it is written. We see that at least three times in Matthew chapter 4. 
He instructed, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, Matthew 4.4. Jesus even appealed to scriptures as the highest authority by which Satan can be rebuked when he said in Matthew 4.10, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord thy God and serve him only. He believed in the Bible's divine authority. Number two, Jesus believed in the Bible's eternality, the eternal substance of the scriptures. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I didn't come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or tittle will by no means pass away until the law is fulfilled. Jesus would say in another place, heaven and earth will pass away, but by my word will by no means pass away. It's eternal. Truly the only two things eternally that we'll take with us from here into heaven is the souls of men and the word of God. They translate from here into all of eternity. Number three, Jesus believed in the Bible's historicity, its historical accuracy. Remember we learned that God, when he wrote his word, rooted the Bible in historical markers. Like it is rooted in time. It names places, it names dates, it names governments. It's rooted in time. Now, the Bible is not a history book. So just like many history books, you pick up a history book, it has limited insight. No history book covers every single item of every, it's impossible. Well, the Bible is not a history book. However, when it does speak on history, it is 100% accurate. And Jesus refers to the Bible, it's true in its historic accuracy. Not only is it true in its historic accuracy, but remember, God is able to write history in advance. He is able to write something down before it ever happened. What do we call that church? Prophecy. God is able to prophetically say something's going to happen, and he's able to write history in advance, which is very powerful. Notice in the scripture references Matthew chapter 12, verse 40. And he just refers to a couple instances that were historically accurate. For example, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So not only does he say Jonah was real and the time of that great fish was real, but so was the timing, three days and three nights. Why? Because he would also use that to predictively prophesy his death and resurrection. Matthew chapter 24, verse 37. For as the days of Noah were. So that's an accurate representation. There were days in which Noah, a real man, lived. So like those days, historically, historically like the days of Noah, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Number five. Number five. Jesus believed in the Bible's divine inspiration. Not just its authority divinely, but also the divine inspiration. This is amazing. You may have read this a hundred times and never noticed it. I want to draw it out. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 43, it says this. Jesus is speaking. It says, he said to them, how then does David? So this is a reference back to the Psalms when David was writing the Psalms. So he says, how is it then that David in the spirit, how is it that David in the spirit calls him Lord saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool, which is a reference from the Psalms. So Jesus says, how is it that when David was writing the Psalms, how? 
in the Spirit, which is another way of reminding us of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when the Holy Scriptures were written. And so when Jesus looks back at David and he says, hey, David just wasn't a songwriter. He wrote those Psalms in the Spirit. And Jesus believed in the inspiration of the Spirit through the Scriptures. Number six, Jesus believed in the Bible's spiritual clarity. How the Bible is to bring clarity to matters of spiritual life. Peter would put it this way, that we've been given all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of Jesus. Well, Jesus in his teaching is saying, I'm going to use the Bible to clear up the confusion in your life spiritually. And this is where he does it in Matthew 22, verse 45. He says, if David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? No one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day on did anyone dare question him. Why? Because Jesus answered the issue at hand by quoting the scriptures. And the scripture clarified the truth, but also clarified the false teaching in the people that were standing in front of him. Now, spiritual clarity doesn't always come to us right away. You may be a very avid Bible reader, and you come today and you go, I read the Bible a lot, but a lot of it I don't understand. Don't ever forget that you and I are on a lifelong journey of learning. And none of us have come to the place where we know everything about everything. And neither will we get to that place until we meet Jesus face to face. So spiritual clarity comes little by little over time. And I would encourage you, if you get frustrated reading the Bible and you don't always understand it, don't camp on and focus on all the things you don't understand. But take joy and rejoice that there are things you do understand, that there are principles that God gives you, and that over time you're going to continue to learn, you're going to continue to grow, and you're going to continue to get clearer things. As you move forward in your relationship with God, things do get clearer. Jesus believed that the Bible would bring clarity into your life and mine and solve our problems. The Bible is a book that God uses to solve problems in our life. Number seven, Jesus believed in the Bible's infallibility. Jesus believed in the Bible's infallibility. In John chapter 10, verse 35, it says, if he called them gods, little g, to whom the word of God came, and then Jesus says this little phrase, and the scripture cannot be broken. So he says, to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken. He believed in the infallibility of the Bible. Number eight, Jesus believed in the Bible's supremacy. What we would say today is that Jesus believed that the Bible is the final court of appeal. It is God's final word to us that will dictate to us and answer every dilemma in our lives. That we yield to the Bible. That no tradition trumps the Bible. That no religion, no pastor, no priest, no mom, no dad, no grandma, no grandpa, no one's opinions and teachings are more important than what the Bible teaches. And that's a very important thing to grasp because I know some of you were raised in a religious system where tradition was higher than the Bible and that traditions continue to change. And instead of appealing to the Bible, you'll find a teaching appealing to what somebody said. That was happening in the first century. In the first century, men were following rabbis and rabbinic teachings and they were following man. And when the rabbis contradicted one another, Nobody appealed to the Bible. They appealed to, to the rabbis. And this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15. 
He answered and said, this is verse 3, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, this is what God wants, saying, Honor your father and mother, and he who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, and that was the, one of the key elements of the ministry of Jesus. He would say many times, you have heard it said, but I say to you. It would be the equivalent, I know they taught you that, but it's wrong. And here's the truth. Well, where do you find the truth? Not in a church, not even necessarily from the pastor's lips. You find the truth in the scriptures. It's not the latest thing you saw on YouTube. It's not the latest article you got forward. It's not the latest book or some newfangled thing that's happening in the world today. The final authority is the Bible. And God will make it clear. And what they had done is they had dishonored their parents by creating a new tradition. And Jesus rebuked them for it. Why? Because he believed the Bible said what it said and meant what it meant. And it's supreme on all our life. It is the supreme authority on our life and spiritual actions. We're going verse by verse through Hebrews here on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is our Bible teacher. Listen to our programs online at AboundingGraceRadio.com and through the Calvary Church app. Well, Pastor Ed, we have just entered into July, and that means we've got a new resource to tell our listeners about, and it's a very helpful one on the subject of depression. What can you tell us about it? Well, Larry, the resource this month is on a more serious note, and I did this on purpose. I, I still pick all of the resources every month personally, and the one that I, I'm offering this month is called Depression, Looking Up from a Stubborn Darkness by Edward Welch. And I came across this resource in the deep, dark times of my grief, now, it's not just for grief. Uh, so sometimes people will hear my testimony and go, oh, you know, I haven't gone through as much as you have, Ed. But that's not, don't, don't look at it that way. It's not a grief book. It's a depression book. It's a deep, deep discouragement. You know, depression is is one of those words that, that people don't want to use as Christians. Like, oh, you know, Christians don't get depressed. That's nonsense. Of course Christians get depressed. Think of David. And you're writing through, reading through the Psalms, and when he writes, why are you so cast down, my soul? What is he describing there? And I don't want you to be afraid of that word, because once you identify where you are, the Holy Spirit can help you. The reason I like this book is it's extremely biblical in its approach to deep discouragement and depression. And I needed it. I needed to be brought out of the pit once again. You know, I was brought out of the pit, out of the miry clay when I was saved, but after the death of my son and a surrounding circumstances that many of them are still with me to this day, uh, I was in a deep, dark place of discouragement and depression. It was, it was hard. So whether it's for you or it's for someone in your life that you love and you care about, it is a powerful resource if it's something that God wants to use in your life, like to help you get out, or it's got something God wants to use in your life to help a friend, it is well worth adding to your spiritual library. It's Depression by Edward Welch, and it is a, an extremely biblical approach to depression, uh, but, but not this dry biblical approach, like it's just take two scriptures and call me in the morning. Not, not like that. Uh, it is a journey 
uh, being delivered by the Holy Spirit and being encouraged, learning how to encourage yourself in the Lord. And I strongly encourage you to get, whether you get it through us, of course, everything you get through us uh, goes right into ministry, but wherever you get books, I'd encourage you to pick it up. I know the Lord will use it. And and remember, we have an online store as well that you can support missionaries through every purchase. It's calvaryco.store, calvaryco.store. And I'm sure we've got copies there as well. But thanks for asking, and I pray you, um, you know, let me just pray for those that might be discouraged. Father, I do pray for those listening that would even consider buying a book like this. It's hard. It's difficult. seems like there's no way out. But Father, you are faithful, and you have a great encouragement available to those that are in a dark place today. And so I pray you would deliver them and strengthen them and fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's Looking Up from a Stubborn Darkness by Edward Welch. You can order it through our e-store at calvaryco.store. And please remember us in your giving to the Lord. Glad to have you with us for today's broadcast, and we look forward to continuing the journey through Hebrews next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.